Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Today we project the AFC South and the NFC South. How about this? Will Fuller and Kiki QT played four games together. In those four games, neither wide receiver had even 200 yards, and they combined for just two touchdowns. Meanwhile, over in the NFC South, Drew Brees averaged just 32.6 pass attempts per game. That ranked 21st among quarterbacks with a minimum of 200 attempts. And Christian McCaffrey got almost every running back carry for the Panthers last year. No other running back on the team had more than 24 carries. All of this will factor into the projections. I'm Adam Azer here on July 3rd. Heath Cummings and Ben Gretsch are here as well. It's their projections, so we'll talk to them. Guys, of the a surprise question to start the show. Of the eight teams that we're going to talk about today, AFC and NFC South, which was the toughest team to project, Ben? Um, yeah, surprise. Didn't maybe like it. Tennessee, honestly. I mean, they were so low volume last year. They have a couple new receivers. I'm not sure I'm buying Derrick Henry as this, you know, feature back that everyone wants him to be. He's never really shown much in the passing game. Maybe, maybe Tennessee. Heath? I will say Jacksonville just because they were such an abysmal offense last year, but they have reason for optimism. Okay. Okay. And I will say that Drew Brees is not going to finish as QB 15, even though you both projected him that way. Just not going to love these old quarterbacks. I, I love, no, I, I love hall of fame quarterbacks. I love you think he's, one of the best you think ever he's gonna finish higher. Absolutely. Okay. You just started with a stat that he was like 21st in, in pass attempts per game last year. That doesn't matter. He's Drew Brees. He can be 21st in pass attempts per game because he's so much better than everyone else. Than most right. other people. Okay, well, anyway. Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill's <laughs> annoying. Hill. Taysom Hill is annoying. I will give you that. Well, look, he, he, was, he played 15 games last year and was on that pace and still was a top 12 quarterback. We know, we know why. Why? Why? Because of a touchdown rate that was not sustainable. But I'm not asking. He was six last year, or he was six if he had played his 16th game. I'm not and asking because he, he had six. like five rushing touchdowns. He's not Dak Prescott. I think he had four. Yeah, I think he had four. All right. Well, let's uh, let's start the show with Houston. They were 11 and five last year. Isn't it fun that the the AFC South goes H I J, Houston, Indianapolis, Jacksonville. And you then love the alphabet. Tennessee H I J K. I do love the alphabet. Uh, all right, they were 11-5. and five. They were fourth in rush attempts, 17th in pass attempts. Where do you want to start, Ben, with the Texans? I mean, the receivers is a good place to start. You mentioned at the top when Kiki Cutie and, and Will Fuller were both on the field together, they weren't super productive. It's a tough situation. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is going to dominate targets. Um, Cutie did get, I believe it's more targets than even him when, when he was active, but he had a super low dot. He's basically just uh, like a, an outlet. He was getting a lot of like swing passes and, and really short passes. I think probably this year we have to expect his dot to come up at least a little bit and for them to throw downfield to him a little. But All right, dot average depth of target. Right. right. So, I mean, he, he's he's seeing a lot of targets near the line of scrimmage. And what that means is he could have definitely a high reception rate, which would make him better for, for PPR leagues. But he's not going to have a strong yards per reception number. He's not going to have a high TD rate. I believe he only had like one or two touchdowns last year because, you know, he's catching so many of his passes within like five yards of the line of scrimmage, which 
um, even in the red zone, probably isn't the type of uh, he's probably not going to get those targets because he's more of like a space player. And when they get in tight, they're going to throw to their tight ends. You know, guys like Jordan Thomas had a bunch of short touchdowns last year. So Kiki Cutie, not a guy that I expect to have a lot of touchdowns. I, I do think he's a solid PPR guy. We'll get plenty of, of receptions and have a high catch rate because of those short passes. But it's just tough to project their target share. And that kind of goes into actually my key staff for the Texans. 67% of the Texans' uh, targets last year went to wide receivers. Uh, Heath actually wrote an article about this earlier. I'm pulling it from his numbers. And it was uh, within a percentage point of Tampa Bay's league high rate. I think it was third, but but right there with Tampa Bay as a league high rate. I actually think that could go up this year uh, with no Ryan Griffin. They do have some tight ends, but I don't know that Jordan Thomas or Jordan Akins or uh, the rookie Kahale Waring will, will necessarily – command a lot of targets at tight end and and Lamar Miller hasn't been commanding a lot of targets the last few years and if Deontay Foreman plays more he's more of a power back um I I actually think that number could could rise if Kiki Cutie and Will Fuller stay healthy and we could see a lot of targets go to those top three receivers so Heath let's talk about the receivers a little bit more you both have DeAndre Hopkins projected as wide receiver one about 1500 yards about 10 touchdowns and going over 100 catches on about 161, 162 targets. So I guess first question is, are you concerned at all about Hopkins' target share with Fuller and QT? You're projecting Fuller and QT to be healthy. Fuller obviously never stays healthy. And second question is going to be about Fuller, because Heath, you have him projected for uh, to be wide receiver 42, Ben wide receiver 39, about the same amount of fantasy points. Ben's giving him 848 yards to Heath's 778, but Heath's giving him two more touchdowns, less than 90 targets, 53, 55 catches, and not a big year for QT. I mean, I want him to be better than wide receiver 40. I think QT's got a ton of ability and has top 20 potential. So QT or Fuller? Sorry, Fuller, Fuller. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think I think Fuller has a ton. I love Fuller. I love him. Um, but obviously, I think he, I understand like on a the week-to-week basis, he surely does. It's, there's really little reason to expect that he's going to be healthy. But you and project him to be healthy, right? Like you I, have to. I am projecting. I'm projecting Fuller and QT to play 16 games, which will not happen, almost certainly. But I, I think you have to project all three to starting there. And I, I do think the problem is. Listen, part of it is Will Fuller's production with Deshaun Watson has been otherworldly and also entirely unsustainable. It's not been a very many targets per game, like four or five targets per game. He's just averaged an enormous number of yards per reception and scored a touchdown like once every three targets or something. It's absurd. And even if QT wasn't part of the equation, I wouldn't think that was going to continue. But last year he has about seven, six to seven targets per game. Like, the, the you know, two years ago, yeah, completely unsustainable. Last year maybe a little unsustainable. But but no, I mean I am concerned because in in the four games with QT, Fuller had 14 catches, 165 yards, and one touchdown, and 11 fewer targets than uh, Kiki QT. Yeah, I mean it's it's a situation where if we knew either of those guys was going to get hurt, and they both have injury a lot, like a lot of injuries in their history, like Keith said, if if we could project one of those guys to be hurt, I'd really want the other one because they're, they're both guys. I've talked about the age adjusted project production stuff with prospects. They're both guys who are very good in college at young ages, which is a really good indicator. A future success. They've both shown some production in the NFL. I'm just worried about the targets, right? But if but, either if we knew one of them was going to be uh, injured, I'd be targeting the other one for sure. But I will I will say this probably leads into what we should talk about next. Deshaun Watson has arguably the best wide receiver in football, and two young wide receivers that we both love and just wish there was more opportunity for. Right. 
And he has been, in his first two years in the NFL, one of the best young quarterbacks ever. My stat was 8.3. That's Deshaun Watson's yards per attempt, second only to Dan Marino for the first two seasons. Oh, yeah, and he runs the ball for several hundred yards per year. I, For me, he's the unquestioned number two quarterback behind Patrick Mahomes. In four-point-per-pass touchdown leagues, he is my number one quarterback. And Fuller, for at least for right now, is kind of like what we talked about with Deshaun Jackson earlier in the week. He is going to help Deshaun Watson more than he's going to help your fantasy team as long as Kiki QT stays healthy. Okay, let's talk about the running backs then. You both have Watson projected as QB2, by the way. Uh, let's talk about the running backs and the split. So Lamar Miller... Heath has him for 235 carries, Ben for 216. Heath has Deontay Foreman for 141, and Ben has him for 115. So he's just projecting more total carries between uh, Miller and Foreman. In fact, you guys have Miller projected as RB28 for Heath in PPR, RB24 for Ben in PPR. And Miller has not, in the last three years with Houston, he has not finished lower than 21st in non-PPR or 22nd in PPR. So a little bit lower, Ben, uh, than what he's been. Lamar Miller. Yeah, and some of that's because Deontay Foreman's now two years removed from an Achilles injury, right? So two years ago, Foreman got hurt right as he was actually starting to take a little bit of the work from Miller. He actually got hurt on a long touchdown run going into the end zone. Um, and then last year, obviously, wasn't back to health. So this year, I think, assuming that he can come back and, and Achilles injuries for running backs, there's not a great track record of guys returning, but this guy's young. He's now two years removed. They took him really slow last year. I, I expect him to still have an NFL career. I'm not um, necessarily sure what to expect from him, but uh, he's definitely a better player than Alfred blue behind Lamar Miller. So some of that is just expecting Foreman to play and be a little bit more effective than, than Alfred blue was. But um, even at this projection where I have Miller, I, I, I he's the guy that I'm not going to take in almost any league. I mean, it's just he, I don't see the upside. We've seen what 16 games of Lamar Miller is in the last couple of years. And you mentioned he hasn't finished lower than like RB 21, but I'm pretty confident he hasn't had a, uh, an RB one season in that span either. You might have the numbers in front of you, but he's basically an RB two. And, you know, you're going to get that. But you're also paying like, what is it, like a sixth or seventh round ADP? I don't I mean, honestly, I don't even look at him when he's on my draft yeah. list. I don't know where he goes. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. He's he, the highest he's finished is 14th in non-PPR, 16th in PPR, and um, yeah, I get over you. the last three years oh, with Houston, yeah. Because he okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so that would be the Houston Texans. Just give me your quick thoughts on this as we wrap it up. How do you feel about drafting Will Fuller, 81st overall, and Kiki QT? I'll say 110th overall. Better about QT. No, both. Drafting them both. You're saying both? Yeah. I think that's an interesting strategy. It's the friendship strategy, Ben. Yeah, on, yeah, on Fantasy like Football it. Calculator, QT's going 133rd overall, which makes it a lot more palatable. I, I don't see that happening in our leagues. But, that, that, that Ben, that would be the friendship strategy. Then is, you want one of them to get hurt, because if they both stay healthy, you might not be able to play either of them, I, but you're, <laughs> you're hoping one of your players gets hurt. Yeah, I, my, my thing is, like, Will Fuller at 81 overall, I, I don't know. Right off the top of my head, the five wide receivers that are going in that range. But I'm going to guess there are some with similar upside without as much concern for me. Yeah. Allen Robinson, Dante Pettis. Yep. Yeah, I like those guys better. Christian Kirk. Yep. All right. Moving on to our next team here. Indianapolis. All right. 17th in rush attempts last year. Sixth in pass attempts. 
Why are you guys projecting Deshaun Watson to be better than Andrew Luck? You have Luck. Heath as QB4. Ben as QB3. Heath, I'll give you the first word. Why Watson over Luck? It's the rushing production is part of it. I really like what Watson did running the ball in the second half. And we saw Watson's more of Watson's upside in his rookie year in terms of on a per-game basis. And that's that's mostly it. Okay. Yeah, that's I mean, what I was going to say, too. We don't have yeah. to quibble too much there. It, obviously, Andrew Luck is, is a really good option. Uh, but Marlon Mack, you guys have him projected for RB21. There is a number in your projections that I think is too low. Because, like, like I keep mentioning, injuries don't factor in. These guys project 16. Do you project 16 games for every player? Yeah, okay. uh, not essentially. Ty- yeah, not Tyreek Hill and oh, yeah, Chris Herndon. Yeah. Unless I know they're not playing 16. I, I, yeah, right. I meant for injury, right. Okay. Um, you don't have double-digit rushing touchdowns for Marlon Mack. He had nine in 12 games last year. He's playing behind arguably the best offensive line in football. He's going to score. If he plays 16 games, he's scoring 12 or more touchdowns. Book I would it. Be cu- I'd be curious, Ben, how, and I think your number is probably lower than mine. How many running backs you have projected for double-digit touchdowns? I don't think I have any. Rush, rushing. Yeah, I don't think I have any. I think Zeke leads leads the league at like nine point seven, so you can you know obviously round that up. I do the fractional touchdowns. So I have yeah Zeke at excuse me at nine point six, and then I have another five guys between nine point zero and nine point four. But yeah, I don't have anybody projected offhand for for ten rushing touchdowns. That's a pretty I mean, obviously, guys are going to do it, but yeah. it's just it's it's hard to project. Like Zeke last year had six, right? Like even yeah, but the, the but, league leader in rushing yards had six last year, which is crazy. But but I do think there are certain situations like a feature back on good offense getting the goal line work is going to probably score ten touchdowns in sixteen games, right? So that's kind of why I think Mac will score. Like I said, he had tw- he had nine in twelve games last year. I th- look, I'm surprised RB twenty one. Feels low to me on Mac. You both have him. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't hate your call at all. I mean, I just think that uh, I'm trying to pull it up right now, but I'm curious what percentage of of the Colts rushing touchdowns he accounted for in those games. Probably close to you know all of them, and that's a hard thing to do year over year. You might just see a couple go to Jordan Wilkins or Spencer Ware, who they brought in. Um, he he would have to maintain like a ninety percent share of the rushing t- touchdowns. Maybe not quite because they're not going to just run for 15 touchdowns as a team. They'll probably, they'll probably run for more than that. But um, that's part of it. It's just like you spread them around a little bit because you don't know what team is going to have a backup that, that vultures a few. But uh, I, I can definitely see it. I, I definitely think that's in max range of potential outcomes. Like I've got him projected for nine, so I'm not going to argue with 10. As far as running back 21, for me, that's mostly just because this is a PPR exercise. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I've got him for 20 receptions, and that almost feels like it might be too high. You know, Actually, I just pulled it up. The yeah. Colts ran for 13 touchdowns right. last year. And Eric Ebron had one of them. <laughs> yeah. That is a very low number. Hines had two, Wilkins had one, and Mack had nine. Uh, so that's so. what does that mean to you Like when you project this year? I mean, especially with how much they passed, and I'm projecting them for one fewer pass attempt than Pittsburgh for my second most uh, pass uh, volume, you know, second most pass attempts in the league. Yeah. Um, and, and knowing that luck is going to probably throw a ton of passes, like we're talking about the luck and Watson comparison. I have luck for throwing for seven more touchdowns than Watson, which in a baseline projection is a pretty huge gap between two different elite quarterbacks. So for me, same as Heath, the difference is the rushing, but, um, 
I, for me, it says, yeah, like that's probably going to come up 13's low, but also this team is comfortable throwing the ball in the red zone and probably will throw plenty of touchdowns as well. So that might be the biggest detriment to Matt getting to 12 rushing touchdowns. Okay. So you, you guys have Naeem Hines projected to be an RB4 in PPR with 49 or more catches, 56 for Heath, 49 for Ben, for Naeem Hines. So let's talk about the receivers, including Eric Ebron. I know you guys are afraid of Eric Ebron. You're dropping him down to seven touchdowns for Heath, six for Ben. The numbers are pretty shocking when you look at what his production was, what his targets were with Jack Doyle on the field and without Jack Doyle. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess... We have a general sense of where these guys are going to go. Hilton, late round two, early round three in a 12-team league. Ebron, I actually don't know, like round six, round seven. Let's see where he there is. There is such a wide range. There are, are I, there are leagues where he is the fourth tight end off the board after the big three, and it's like in that round four, round five range. And then there are leagues where everyone seems wise to what he did with Doyle on the field last year, and he falls all the way to round eight or round nine. And I'm if he falls to round eight or round nine, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'm seeing him right now on Fantasy Football Calculator, their latest ADP. Um, I think I have non-PPR, but it shouldn't matter too much. 72nd overall, which is the ninth pick of round six. But, you know, does, is anybody going to be worth their ADP other than T.Y. Hilton in your minds, guys? I think that's a legitimate concern. I mean, the uh, Heath's... His stat is a good one here because, like, the only positive thing is they're going to throw a ton. So, Heath, go ahead. Yeah, they were the second or third most pass-heavy team in the league. 59.8% of their offensive plays were pass attempts. So, And I don't know that I necessarily expect that to change much. All right, Ben, your stat then on this tight end situation. Yeah, so in the 10 games that Jack Doyle missed last season, Eric Ebron, he ran 34.4 routes per game and saw 8.8 targets. In the six Doyle played, he averaged just 17.7 routes per game. So just barely more than half as many as he did when Doyle was out. 3.7 targets, that's fewer than half as many targets as he was averaging when Doyle was out. And when Doyle was playing alongside Ebron, he was actually running more routes, 25.7, which is eight more routes per game than Ebron was running, and seeing 5.5 targets, which is almost two targets more than Ebron was seeing. So if Doyle stays healthy for 16 games, I, I'm not necessarily convinced that he would he would continue this this trend and run more routes than Ebron and see more targets than Ebron because Ebron continued his breakout throughout the year. I think it could be a pretty even split. But right now in my projections, I have them projected for almost identical targets, which for me, I actually, to what he said about if Ebron falls to, the round, falls to round eight or round nine, I actually probably still wouldn't take him there because I just don't, I think his floor is, is is relatively low with all these new additions as well. well right. I definitely think the floor is low. I, the one thing I will say in favor of him, and I've kind of bashed him for most of the last month, the one thing I will say in favor is at tight end, especially if you get past the first six or seven and you're a little later in the draft, it's kind of the same argument I made for Jordan Reed. I'll take the guy with the upside, and if he flops, I'll just stream. Okay, sure. so that's And he's Ebron. better in non-PPR because we should expect yeah. – a decent TD rate. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, let's finish up here with um, you guys have neither Devin Funches nor Paris Campbell as anything higher than wide receiver 49. Uh, that's Heath for Funches. Ben has uh, Funches 59 and Campbell I, even worse. Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting. And it's why like I'm quite a bit lower, I think, on Hilton than you or Ben. But this is not a team that has a lot of opportunity available from last year's squad. They have 105 targets available off of last year's team. 
And Hilton saw his targets fall below nine targets per game last year. He's like 9.9, I think, in Andrew Luck's last year, 2016. Last year, he was around 8.5. But there's not a lot of room for Funches or Campbell, even if one of those guys took all of the available targets. And I don't expect either of them to take all of the available targets. So I, I don't mind Funches in a non-PPR, because I think he could score a lot of touchdowns, kind of like an Ebron situation. But I'm not particularly excited about either of them. The Jacksonville Jaguars are next. They went 5-11 and last year. So just a major difference from 2017 to 2018. 2017, they led the NFL in rush attempts. Last year, they were 12th in rush attempts. Uh, ben, why don't you give us a stat about the Jaguars to kick things off? Yeah, I mean, me and Heath are going to have to talk a little bit about the receivers because I have Marquise <laughs> Lee leading the target share. He has him, I think, fourth. And so my stat is like a, a shot across his bow here it, it, over Marquise Lee's 2016 and 2017, because he missed 2018 in run heavy offenses with Blake Bortles at QB. He, his 16 game paces and he played 30 of the 32 games. He played 14 games, one season, all 16, the next, the next season, 107 targets, 828 yards. I mean, that's a pretty solid baseline. And I think he actually has a little upside from that because of uh, Jacksonville kind of trending potentially towards a better better quarterback play and also towards more passes. I I don't disagree with anything Ben said, so it wasn't necessarily a shot across my bow. <laughs> I had Marquise Lee tied for first in targets when I first did my projections with D.D. Westbrook because I think one of those guys could really make a splash this year. What scared me off of Lee for the time being was the report that he's not going to be ready for the start of camp. He's hopeful to be ready for the middle of camp. And then there was a report in the athletic that he could possibly start the year on the pup. Oh, I actually missed that. So that would not be good news. <laughs> now it, it did not say he was going to start the year on the pub. I don't, I think that he's still talking like he wants to be ready for week one. I'm just a little bit worried about that. That's, that's yeah. really, uh, well, okay. So DD Westbrook, Heath, you have DD Westbrook projected as wide receiver 26. Like, it's just crazy to me that you have D.D. Westbrook projected to be, what, like 14 spots better than than Will Fuller. You have him 80 catches, 912 yards, and six touchdowns. You just have a thing for D.D. Westbrook. I got news for you. He wasn't very good last year. Um, He did not have a very good quarterback. I got news no for you. He playing. doesn't have a very good quarterback right now. Don't talk bad about Carson Wentz. <laughs> I like Nick Super Foles Bowl is not MVP, that good. Nick Foles is an enormous upgrade. Mostly though, there's not a big change from where I have Westbrook in terms of efficiency and where he was last year. He was 66, 7, 17 and 5 on 101 targets. I expect them to throw the ball more often. I have him for 121 targets this year. There's a slight increase in efficiency because I do think Nick Foles is better than the quarterbacks he played with last year. But it's not a big boost. It's one more touchdown. It's 200 more yards on 20 more targets. That's it's just not that big of a boost. It's mostly me saying he's going to be the number one wide receiver on the team. Do you think if Marquise Lee is ready by week one that D.D. Westbrook is the number one receiver on the team? That is why I was hedging when I yeah. first did my projections. I don't feel confident in saying I if, if Marquise Lee was 100% right now, this would be one of those camp battles that I would be watching to see who Nick Foles is making the best connection with. I think they're both talented and have upside. Okay. They also have, it's not a great receiving core, let's be honest. They also have Keelan Cole, DJ Chark, 
Chris Conley, Terrell Pryor. So, I mean, certainly but Westbrook can rise to the to the top there. It's probably a good time for my stats. Um, 63.1%. That was the Vikings' pass rate when John Filippo was the offensive coordinator. That was behind only the Pittsburgh Steelers in terms of how often they threw the football. And I just – I have such a hard time believing that he threw the ball that much in Minnesota – refused to run the ball, got fired for it, basically, and then Jacksonville immediately hired him with the expectation that they are going to be a very run-heavy offense. And they signed Nick Foles. But I, it doesn't make any I sense. Do, but, but it doesn't make any sense for me to see Jacksonville be a pass-heavy offense because we've seen yeah. the best of the Jaguars. Like, 2017, Leonard Fournette was on pace for 330 carries. And then in the middle of the season when he got healthy – they were giving him like 25 carries a game, and then he got suspended. He got kicked out of the game at Buffalo. He got suspended, and they kind of faded Leonard Fournette. But I think that Jacksonville is at its best as a ground-and-pound team that relies on their defense. So, so I, my, yeah, I think you guys – I think your carries projections for Leonard Fournette kind of stood out as a little low to me. You have him – Heath, you have him projected for uh, 278 and Ben at 268, and I actually think he could lead the league in rushing. Attempts, attempts. That's fair because the the concern for me with the the D. Filippo hiring is they didn't hire him because they want to go pass heavy. They hired him just because of his relationship with Foles, and that would be you know that would be the concern. He was very um, they they were said to be very close when Foles took over on in in the Super Bowl run when D. Filippo was on staff with the Eagles. So um, you know it might not be because of his tendency to be more pass heavy. It might just be a you know a relationship thing. All right, and you have you both have Fournette projected to be a top twelve running back and more than forty catches, which is nice. Now he did show that ability, uh, more than three hundred fifty receiving yards, two touchdowns. So uh, he could, you know, he could be really good value if he stays healthy. And um, yeah, he like I said, on pace for three hundred thirty carries two years ago. Okay, but obviously, I think you know the projections might not show up, but we know there's downside with Fournette. He gets hurt. He's got it, you know. Maybe he's not in the best standing with the organization, but if everything goes right, he could have a great year. Let's go to the Tennessee Titans to finish up the AFC South. So how difficult is it to project Marcus Mariota, who like I mean, 60, completed 69% of his passes, has been at 7.6 yards per attempt in three or four seasons, and that's very respectable, uh, but has never thrown for 3,500 yards, has never played more than 15 games, um, was playing hurt last year. I don't know. It just all, I think all the injuries must make him a little bit difficult to evaluate. Heath, how difficult is it to project Marcus Mariota? It's very difficult to project this. And like this was the team that Ben chose. And if I wasn't just trying to come up with a different team, I probably would have as well. They've got an offensive coordinator that's never done anything even close to calling plays before. Uh, he's most well known because his dad run, runs FedEx. I don't have any idea what their offensive game plan is going to be. I don't really like I was a pretty big Marcus Mariota believer when he came out and he's shown at times an ability to be a pretty efficient passer, but he also just can't stay healthy. The running back situation is kind of a disaster because Derrick Henry was the best running back in football for the last four weeks of the season. But my stat was the number 39 that's where he ranked in PPR before those last four weeks of the season. <laughs> like it's just a complete and utter disaster in terms of having like any confidence in projecting this offense. Ben, what's your stat for the Titans? 
437 pass attempts last year, which was the second fewest of any team in the past five seasons. It was actually the second fewest last year as well. Both of them and the Seahawks last year were were lower than any team in the in the previous four seasons. Um, I, I think that was related to Mariota's injury, and I wrote about this a little bit in in a Corey Davis piece uh, that was up a couple of weeks ago on, on CBS. And we, what I went into was Mariota has had had an average target depth, how far downfield he was throwing the ball in his first three seasons of 9.2, 9.6, and 8.9. Last year, it was down at 7.6. So more than a yard plus uh, lower than his previous career low. And I think, you know, his elbow injury was in week one. These guys were extremely uh, low on the pass attempts all year. In eight different games, they threw 25 or fewer passes. The rest of the league averaged like two and a half, two point four games with with twenty five or fewer passes. They had a game in there where where they only threw fifteen passes, which was the lowest volume in any game all season. Um, whenever the Titans got a lead last year, they kind of refused to throw the ball. And then you look at how far Mariota was pushing it down the field. He clearly didn't just just didn't seem healthy all year. So to me, I, I definitely expect the Titans' passes to bounce back. Uh, last the last few years of Mariota's career, they threw. The two years prior, they averaged like about 500 pass attempts, which still isn't – it's still very run heavy. But that's a, a lot more than 437 pass attempts. So I agree with you. I mean, Mariota's a really tough guy to, to project. If he gets back above 500 pass attempts, if he's healthier, he has upgraded receivers now. A.J. Brown's a really good prospect. He's not in a great spot. He's not someone to really consider for for fantasy from you know from draft perspective. But Adam Humphreys also was a solid option. Delaney Walker should be back healthy. Um, and I still think Corey Davis is, is capable of being a wide receiver one. He still had a top 10 target share last year. His average depth of target dropped uh, a yard and a half, just along with Mariota's because they were not throwing downfield as much. And, wait, and wait, Davis, you, you think he's capable of being like a top 12 fantasy wide receiver? I don't know if he has that upside that comes down to team volume, but he was better. If you look at his depth of target, he was better downfield than close to the line of scrimmage. So I do think Mariona's injury impacted the types of targets that he's better at, which are, are the intermediate and downfield targets. To to clarify, I think Corey Davis with a good quarterback in just an average offense is good enough to be a top 12 right. fantasy wide receiver. Why? What I, I don't understand. What is it about Corey Davis that, that we like so much? I, I, I guys, I, I think he's a bust. I think he was a bad pick by the Tennessee Titans. And I, I'm sorry, and and for fantasy purposes, like he isn't in a good, he is not in a good offense. He's getting Delaney Walker back. He's getting AJ Brown, who they drafted in the second round. I, I think you I, have. I to, am going. Like, I am 100 going year. to be the low guy on on Corey Davis. I, I right. tell you that and that might pay off. It's you don't. We can't call um, a first round number five overall pick receiver a bust until after his third year. I don't think. I, I mean that's fair. Um, and I, I think it has to do with twenty percent. With he got 20% too. of the team's targets in his rookie season and the games he played, and 26% last year. And volume's a really good indicator of his ability to at least get open. Everyone thinks it's just like an opportunity stat. I, I think there's there's some skill involved there. So the fact and, that he's earning a high percentage of the targets is a good sign. And eight yards per target on 112 targets is not bad. Like it's not it's not great, but it's not bad. Well, I don't considering think, the quarterback. Play. I just don't think much of Mariota, you know, and so I'm hesitant to. to buy into this offense except maybe Delaney Walker we don't talk enough about tight ends I feel in these projections sometimes and that's my fault so let, let's talk about him gosh the odds are stacked against him right I mean he's coming off a bad injury he's old uh 
you guys have him for between 539 and 646 yards and four touchdowns. So not really, based on the projections, Ben, not really someone we should be excited about on draft day, Delaney Walker. Yeah, I mean, not someone to be excited about, but I think you could go back and listen to what we said about Jordan Reed yesterday, and it would fit right here. I mean, he's he's really cheap on draft day, and if he is healthy and for as long as he's healthy, he's probably going to be pretty good on a per-game basis. And then, like he just alluded to, you can just go ahead and stream after that if if he doesn't stay healthy or if he's struggling. Uh, but if you wait at tight end, I think he's actually a really good option late. If he if, like, if let's say you haven't taken a tight end till fifteen have been taken, he is a guy that I think you can justify being your tight end one week one if he's healthy, um, and just hope that he's healthy enough to to, to be you know a twenty percent target share guy, which he has been in the past. Let's talk about the running backs to finish out the NFC South. So you have Derrick Henry projected for similar stats as Marlon Max. You guys have him as RB22. On only 13 catches for Heath, 15 for Ben. That makes sense. You're giving Deion Lewis 50 catches, and Ben's giving him 42. Heath, 50, uh, 42 catches for Ben. Uh, toward the end of the year, the last four games of the season when Derrick Henry got going, starting with that Jacksonville game, Deion Lewis had just 14 catches in four games, but that's not so bad. What is that over? That's 56, 56. catches? Yeah. yeah. So, um, all right. So this is even a little. He's bit a great value that. this year. I mean, it seems like Keith agrees. He's got him even higher. What do you think, Keith? I, yes, he is a guy that I rank lower than I project. Okay, especially in PPR because he's one of I. I have a hard time getting excited about him, but I do think in best ball and in leagues where you have start a couple of flexes, he is a good value in virtually all drafts because he's almost free. And if something happens to Henry, I mean, they don't have any like third back. They have Alex Barnes is an interesting, uh, I think it was a UDFA, interesting back that they added to their depth chart, but they don't really have anybody. They, I think Deion Lewis would be the lead back and, and get the receiving and the rushing work if something happened to Henry. So I do kind of like him as this like, uh, you know, the, this hybrid of uh, kind of a handcuff, but also has some standalone value as well. So I kind of like him. Okay, so Derrick Henry is going to be extremely controversial or polarizing or whatever. Ben, you talked about his sort of like empty carries, carries between the 20s, no catches, not the type of profile you like. You have him projected for 1,004 yards, nine rushing touchdowns, and just a little bit in the passing game. Um, RB22 for both of you, with Heath a little bit more optimistic on the total fantasy points. Uh, Go ahead and give me your takes on Henry. Yeah, I think this kind of profile has, you have to rush for like 1800 yards to, to be a, a top five back and where you have to take Henry in drafts, you, you're really hoping that he can be a top five back that he has that kind of upside. Uh, look back at Jordan Howard. I think it was two years ago. He was top five in the league in rush attempts and rushing yards and a rushing TDs for the bears. And he was like RB 13 in PPR leagues because he didn't do anything in the receiving game and that's just that's just kind of the way that that it that it plays out in today's day and age several years ago guys like michael turner could be top five backs without much receiving work but there's just way more duality with running backs the elite running backs in today's day and age and especially when you're playing in ppr leagues and these guys are catching 70 80 90 even mccaffrey had over 100 catches last year um you need henry to get a lot more catches people are excited that he might but, uh, you know, we're projecting him for 13. I mean, even if he takes a huge jump in, in catches, he's still probably below average in that in that element. So it's a tough needle to thread. He has to be very, very efficient. I think he's a great player. It's just hard for fantasy. 
Heath. Yeah, he, he's definitely one of the guys you like more in non PPR. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you have a do you have a projection for him in non PPR in terms of where he finishes, where he comes out? I think I've got him fifteenth. Let me pull it up. That's seventh because I do high. have it. I got to just sort this. Derek Henry. I have him RB nineteen. Yeah, so he bumps up a little bit for me in non PPR too. Yeah, I've got him fifteen. Okay. I have him for nine point three rushing TDs. We were just talking about you know I don't have anyone projected for nine or over ten. I mean he's my top five in rushing TD projections. Um, yeah, I mean I think he's he's a good NFL player, but it's just not great for fantasy. All right, the NFC South should be a really fun division this year. We'll project it when we come back on fantasy football today. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back. If you are looking for a new ringtone, people are really into the Heath sigh. Uh, it's this. Ah, oh. <laughs> That was lifted <laughs> lifted from a Fantasy Baseball Today episode. It was uh, the best Heath sigh we've ever had. So you can have it as your ringtone. Just send us an email. FantasyFootball at CBSI.com. Programming announcement. We're all coming back later today on Wednesday to record another episode that's going to be published on Thursday on the 4th of July, and then we'll be back again most likely on Monday. But we want you all to have an awesome 4th of July, and I don't know. That's all I got to say. I was going to say something else about the soccer team, but Heath, I think we've, we beat that. We, we beat that dead horse during the baseball podcast. So. Yeah, you had a terrible take. I put it in the thread on Twitter, and um, everyone... Told you it was terrible. Adam's worst takes. Yeah. No, yeah. Don't like the showboating. All right. So here we go to the south of the NFC. A- Atlanta, 7-9 and nine last year. The defense, get you know, basically like their best defensive players all getting hurt early in the season. Led to them being fifth in pass attempts and 30th in rush attempts. Led to Matt Ryan being the number two quarterback in fantasy. You guys project him to be much worse than that. Let me see. Uh, it is QB 11. For Heath and 12 for Ben. So this is not quite as egregious as Drew Brees. But, you know, what, what is it that, is it just volume? Is that what's going to go down, Heath, for Matt Ryan? It's not just volume, but we'll start there. Because my stat is 529 is the number. And that's the number of pass attempts Matt Ryan had in 16 games in 2017. 
in 2016, his is just ridiculous year. He threw the ball 534 times, but I spent the whole following off season telling everyone that was not sustainable. And it wasn't. Everyone knew that. The other thing is not just the volume, but the touchdowns. He has been really, really weird when it comes to the touchdowns. 2015, he had a 3.4% touchdown rate. That's bad. It's really, that's like Eli Manning, Joe Flacco bad. 2016, 7.1%. Unsustainable, but fantastic. 2017, 3.8%. Bad again. Last year goes back up to 5.8%. For his career, he's at 4.8. I think saying he's going to be around five is fine. But if the pass attempts fall below 600 and the touchdown rate's right around five, you're not looking at 30 touchdown passes anymore. I I just expect the defense to be better, him to throw less, and have not quite as much success throwing touchdown passes. And yeah, you haven't you guys both have him projected, I think, for twenty nine touchdown passes, right? So Matt Ryan yep. and, and yeah, yep. top twelve quarterback, but just not not going to be amazing according to Heath and Ben. I do think though that you know, his weapons look great. I think Calvin Ridley's awesome. And you guys have Calvin Ridley projected Heath wide receiver twenty one, Ben wide receiver. 25, both have him for 70 or more catches, seven touchdowns, which would be a little bit less than last year. And Ben, you have him for 890 in terms of yards on 104 targets, and, and Heath for 974. So, you know, based on your projections, Mohamed Sanu doesn't really need to be drafted. He's outside the top 50. But Calvin Ridley, um, you know, should follow up a good, a great rookie year with a, with a strong sophomore season. Uh, do you think uh, there's potential for a lot more here for him? for Ridley or do you think you know number two wide receiver is basically as good as it could get Ben it's hard with Julio Jones projected volume I mean my stat here for Atlanta is that Julio Jones has led the NFL in receiving yards per game in three of the last four seasons he's averaged over 100 yards per game in five of the last six I mean for his career 96.7 per game going back to his you know his rookie season when he was still kind of a part-time player this is a guy that's going to dominate a lot of the volume in the offense, both targets and uh, yardage, downfield downfield looks and um, racking up a lot of yardage, which makes it tough for Calvin Ridley. But I, I do think Calvin Ridley is very good. I mean, his his rookie season produ- uh, production is pretty clear on that. I do, like you said, we, we got to expect the receiving TDs to regress a little bit. Um, they were pretty out of this world last year, but uh, he's somebody that I, I expect to be pretty good. And I think so. Heath's point about Matt Ryan's pass attempts is a good one. In 2016 and 2017, they were more run-heavy than average, just based on rush percentage. Last year, they were very pass-heavy, which we talked about with the defensive injuries. One thing I think might happen in 2019 is I think it's hard to just assume they'll go back to 2016 and 17 rates because the personnel has changed now. They've lost Tevin Coleman. They're not as deep at running back. And Calvin Ridley's emergence, I think, will make them probably want to throw more in neutral situations, not just when they're trailing – um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think we might see a little bit more of a bump in, in pass attempts than, than what Matt Ryan was doing in 2016 and 2017. So do I. Yeah. You have it. You have actually haven't projected for more than I do, but I, think yeah, I, I, think I, I have a little point. faster pace than you do. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's, yeah, that's just an, an interesting thing to, to consider is that Ryan might keep a little bit more of that volume bump than you'd assume looking back at 2016 and 2017. I uh, yeah. I also I do wonder if they're if they could. Have, I thought they were gonna have a really good defense last year, like really good, and they they lost some very key players very early, and they had a terrible defense. They but, are one of my favorite um, last round defenses. 
Let's talk about the running backs. You guys both have Devontae Freeman projected to be RB17. 209 carries for Ben, 226 for Heath. Less than 1,000 yards, 8 rushing touchdowns, and then good production, 300 receiving yards, about you know 38 catches for both of you, about 300 receiving yards, 2 receiving touchdowns. This is what Devontae Freeman's done. Uh, when he's been, you know, relatively healthy. 2015, he was the number one running back in fantasy. 2016, he was number six. 2017, he was number 13 in non-PPR, 14th in PPR, but he only played 14 games. And in those three seasons now, let's see, he caught 73, 54, and 36 in 15, 16, and 14 games. 36 catches in 14 games. So why only 38 catches? I mean, this is a guy who, like I said, once caught 73 passes. For for me, it's mostly because with Julio and expecting a target share increase for Ridley, there just weren't enough targets to go around. Well, you gave Ido Smith basically as many catches as Devontae Freeman, Heath. I think it's going to be a timeshare. And... I don't know. Like, I think that Freeman's going to come off the field more on passing downs than he does on rushing downs. Ben, you want to, you know, how did you project? No, I mean, I, I pretty much totally agree. I, I agree with your, your implication, Adam, that Freeman could be a steal this year. I just don't love drafting older running backs. He's only 27, but, you know, injury, injured last year. I mean, he's definitely somebody that I can see the justification for drafting. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, a, there's a wide range. Yeah, it, yeah. He, really. he could play two games. I think when you look at most of the top 20 running backs and you look at their projections and you just say there's so much potential. The Carrion Johnsons, Devontae Freemans, even the Derrick Henrys of the world and uh, Marlon Mack. So would you rather have Mack than Freeman? They're like so similar to me. You look, I love the fact that the Falcons drafted two offensive linemen in the first round, right? <clears throat> uh, yep. uh, so, but, but Mack's already got that offensive line. I think Freeman's a better player than Mack. I would. I think Freeman's going to probably catch more that's, passes. I was about to say he's definitely going to catch more passes than Mac. Honestly, Heath, if I if I had ten leagues, I might draft Freeman in five and Mac at five. They probably but be both both over Henry. In PPR, yeah. How about you? Uh yeah, I've got it. Uh, Freeman, Mac, Henry. All right. All right. Uh, how about we take a look at Carolina? And what's my storyline here on Carolina? Um, well, it was about DJ Moore, but we can go back to him a little bit later. What What's interesting for you guys with Carolina? I thought this was one of the least interesting teams. Yeah, me too. <laughs> in terms of coming up with things to say, my stat was 242.5. That was Cam's passing yards per game last year. It was his highest mark since his rookie year. I think he did acclimate well to the new offense. And if he's 100% with DJ Moore taking the step that I expect him to and Christian McCaffrey... And one of the two tight ends being a help, I think Cam Newton belongs in that conversation of guys that could be the number one quarterback in fantasy. Oh, I agree with that totally. And I, I got some good stats for you here. So let's go into some snap share stuff. First of all, Christian McCaffrey played 100% of the snaps in eight of his 16 games last year. The rest of the league's running backs combined for three games like that. There were seven total from 2015 to 2017. So other than McCaffrey over the last four years, there's been 10 total games like that, and, and he did it eight times last year. So this is a running back that's not going to come off the field, which is just really rare. And I, I have some concerns about him holding up. Right. I, I, was, I was wondering if that's bad. Right. But I, that is why I ended up projecting him running back one, because in a baseline projection, he's the guy that I I can project for the most volume. He's playing an insane amount of snaps. Um, but snap the, the bigger snap 
share stuff that I think is really interesting is with DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. DJ Moore played uh, just 25% of the snaps in weeks one and two. He first went over 50% in week eight, and he first broke 90% in week 12, and he stayed above 90% all the way until week 17 where he dipped down a little bit. He still finished as a really solid fantasy producer last year, and in his age 21 season, another young, productive player in college, uh, and, and I think that's key, how his snaps weren't high early in the season. He still came out pretty strong. I think starting from week one next year as a, as a starting receiver, this guy has massive upside. Okay. Curtis Samuel, same situation. They they limited him early. He only went over 50% of the snaps in the last six games, and he scored double-digit PPR points in five of those last six games. So both these guys were brought along slow, played more late, and were very productive late. And right now, looking at this offense, there's no one else being even really considered in drafts. Greg Olson's a late-round pick other than McCaffrey, Newton, and Morin Samuel. It kind of reinforces that Morin Samuel don't have a ton of competition, whether it's Chris Hogan, Jarius Wright's probably going to play some in the slot. Those guys aren't going to be threats to DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel playing big snapshots from week one. So I I actually love those two guys um, as just – they both run the ball as well. The dual dual threats, fast. I think this offense is going to be really uh, entertaining this year as well. Well, I, I think what's really interesting when you look at Moore and Samuel is that you don't really have that much separation in your targets when you project them. Like Heath and Ben have DJ Moore for 108 and 110 targets, and they have Curtis Samuel for 97, 96 targets. So basically within 14 targets of each other. And I personally, I mean, I think I think we all would probably like DJ Moore to get, I don't know, 30 more targets than Curtis. Like, like be a legit number one wide receiver. Because in two games without Devin Funches last year, he was awesome. He, his production was better. His targets were pretty much the same, but his production was better at eight catches for 91 yards against Seattle, four catches for 81 yards at New Orleans. Um, I don't know that he's going to really take the next step unless he can get some more target separation. I just think it's interesting that you guys projected those two receivers for very similar target numbers. That's fair. One thing I would note is DJ Moore had 13 carries last year as well, and and Samuel had eight in his defense, but these guys are going to probably get a rush attempt per game. Moore racked up 172 rushing yards last year too, so that's a lot of bonus points there too. Okay, uh, I think that you can't quite overlook what Ian Thomas did the last five games of the season. He, I, I was trying to get the full numbers, but he had 46, 77, 14, 48, and 61 yards. So that's 46 or more yards in four or five games, and that's really not bad for a tight end. And he had two touchdowns. So, like, obviously we need Greg Olson to take a hike, but you could tell me that Greg Olson's going to stay healthy all year? I don't think so. Uh, and then, yeah, he'll be a fine waiver wire pickup. Yeah, I, I mean, I just we did a mock draft yesterday, but it was a startup dynasty league, and I took Ian Thomas like super late. So he's twenty three years old, and I think there's a lot of potential. You guys think there's a lot of potential with Ian Thomas? Yeah, I mean, if, if Olson's hurt, and I, I looking back at like Delaney Walker, for example, Delaney Walker got hurt last year. I I think I would rather have him than Greg Olson. Olson's been hurt now for two straight years. And it seems to be a lingering foot thing. It might just be the end of the line for him. He's right. he's played a combined sixteen games over the last two years, um, and you know Walker's coming back from from one injury that didn't linger into a second season quite yet. So when we're looking at these kinds of like older tight ends that are available late, Jason Jason Witten coming out of retirement's another one. Uh, Olson's the one that I'm most apprehensive about. Oh, okay, and 
by the way, you don't know this about me, Ben, but I actually liked Jason Witten on Monday Night Football. I thought he was good. Nobody agrees. <laughs> I, I disagree. It's, it's on the. Uh, it's on Ben. You should just go read the thread. I'll I'll share it with you. So okay. then you can have all of Adam's bad takes. Well, why don't I find the, the bad take bracket, uh, the March Madness style bad take bracket? Uh, I'll see idea. if I can when find. When you have that. so many bad takes that someone created a bracket out of it, that's yeah, impressive. Got in the podcast league. Uh, okay, I, on. Think... I want I want to have a, an actual bracket and vote through to the champion. Jerry Maguire might be the champion. No, yeah, the best take I've ever had. Not a football movie. So, New Orleans, uh, yeah, you guys are wrong about Drew Brees. He's not going to be QB 15. Go ahead. Discuss. Uh, I mean, Taysom Hill is an issue. Uh, the pass volume is an issue. I, you know, I, I don't really have, like, a, a, a huge reason, like, a reason to hate Drew Brees. He's still very good and very productive, but um, I don't have them throwing a ton of passes. 546 passes is not a huge number. And yeah, I mean, I, I do think Taysom Hill's a legitimate concern. They're they're using him specifically in the red zone. Uh, I don't really know how you project that, but it, it is something that I took into consideration. I projected him, I think, for a couple of rushing touchdowns. You don't want your quarterback coming off the field in the red zone. I will just say this: first off, Adam, I'm certain you're right. He won't probably won't be QB 15, one way or the other. Right. Um, and if he plays 16 games, then he almost certainly won't be because a few of the guys I have projected ahead of him won't, won't play 16 games, but there's not enough pass volume there for me to be excited about wanting to have him as my starting quarterback. I don't believe the touchdown rate from last year. I don't believe the rushing touchdowns from last year. And without those, he's a number two quarterback. Is he though? Because like like he was on pace to be a top six quarterback last year. So if you take away two rushing touchdowns, and I don't have his full stats in front of me, so how many passing touchdowns do you want to give him? Um, he had thirty-two, 32 last year, twenty-nine. Um, okay, yep. so take I think take twenty-nine's away... pretty generous to be honest, because that's five point nine percent rate. Let's go to his career rate, which is taking away, um, twenty-seven. Okay, no, twenty-nine. In yeah, 23 games. the year before. 27. Yeah, 23 was ridiculous. How many times has he been below 30 since becoming a saint? How many times has he been below 500 pass attempts? Right. That just happened starting I'm giving him 29. So if I took away 30 points from him, that gives him 337. That made him the number 12 quarterback, or maybe 11. Uh, Which I just pulled up my projections. He's five points behind my number 12 spot. I have him at... Uh, um, yeah, behind my number twelve spot, I have him at fifteen. I mean, uh, it's a big tier right there. So I'm, I'm just kind of splitting hairs. I'm not like down on him. Does Alvin Kamara get a bump without Mark Ingram, or does Latavius Murray just become Mark Ingram, or what, or both, or what? Both. Yeah, slight bump for Kamara, um, but mostly Murray just becomes Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram of last year, not Mark Ingram before last year, because Ingram I don't think was involved in the passing game last year. Right. And that's that's the big concern with uh, Murray, whether whether Murray has actual upside is if he will be involved in the passing game. The the reason he's such an awesome fit is he has a career rushing touchdown rate uh, well above league average in terms of uh, rushing attempts. You know, he's always gotten goal line looks. He's always been pretty effective in, in converting those. He was pretty solid. I think he had a 12, 12 TD rushing season with Oakland and then pretty solid in in Minnesota as well. The my stat for the Saints the last two seasons, 27 total running back touchdowns both years. 
No other team in the league had more than 25 either year. Um, rushing, or, 20, rushing or total? Rushing or, uh, excuse me, rushing and receiving. Okay. Total touchdowns for the running backs. Yeah. And the year before that, they had 24. So they actually have averaged over 25 three years in a row, and no team in the last three years has had more than 25. The Patriots are also up there. They they hit like 20, right around 25 a couple of times. But this the Saints team, no no team has more touchdown upside for their running backs. And Latavius Murray, I just mentioned, really strong touchdown runner, goal line runner. Uh, I think he's going to be a very stable late round pick that you can start. He'll probably rush for eight touchdowns. The issue is, like like he said, will he get any receiving work? Probably not. But this is also why I'm so tempted to take Alvin Kamara as the number one running back in PPR. Because you guys haven't projected for more than 80 catches. Uh, without Mark Ingram last year, Alvin Kamara averaged 14 carries per game. Four games. Uh, with Mark Ingram, he averaged 11.5 carries per game. I, I feel very confident that between Kamara, McCaffrey, Barkley, and Zeke, he will be on the best offense. He will also catch passes, and it catch touchdowns. You haven't projected for four, both of you. You haven't projected as RB3. I certainly have no problem with that. That top four is going to be a toss-up, it seems. But I just I feel I feel like I want I feel like I want to take him number one, but I'm afraid to do it because everybody has Barkley number one, basically. I think you can take him number one. I mean, he's the poster boy for what. I... Yeah, for Sorry. the the opposite of uh, the Derrick Henry point. What I what I like in running backs, which is receiving work and goal line equity. And uh, as far as Henry's concerned, yes, we can project him for a lot of rushing touchdowns, but I don't know that Tennessee's offense is going to score a lot. With the Saints, we know that the running backs in the Saints offense are going to score a bunch of touchdowns, and Alvin Kamara is going to get a high percentage of those. What he's giving up, like people are concerned about his workload. That's the real reason he's not running back one. He's not necessarily going to be a 200 carry back, this and that and the other thing. The, The touches he's giving up are the touches that aren't as valuable for fantasy, the between the 20s rush attempts. He's giving up that stuff. He gets plenty of red zone touches, and he gets plenty of receptions, and that's huge for his upside. Heath, uh, how about the wide receivers? Obviously, Michael Thomas, you guys have him projected as a top five guy, about 150 targets, 111 catches for Ben, 114 for Heath. Does that lead the NFL according to your projections? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's not going to be a, like a 180 target guy. That's just That doesn't happen in the Saints offense, but... Does anybody think there's another fantasy-relevant wide receiver on this team? I'm afraid that Ted Ginn is going to prevent that from happening. And that was my stat. And it was from last year. Ted Ginn averaged 6.6, 6.7 targets per game in the games that he started and finished, including two games in the playoffs. This was at mostly after the Traquan Smith breakout. I think Ginn's still going to be a big enough part of this offense that if Alvin Kamara is getting 20% of the targets, Michael Thomas is getting 25% of the targets, and Jared Cook's getting a small share of the targets, I don't know that there's enough there for one of the young wide receivers to break out. Okay. I I do like taking Traquan Smith as a late-round flyer. I think Ben does too. Yeah, yeah, no, I like his upside. Another, you know, age-adjusted production guy was very good at a young age in college. What I want, I want to say one crazy stat about Michael Thomas, though. Last year, he caught eighty-five percent of his passes. That was an all-time record for any receiver or tight end who had more than a hundred targets. Uh, running backs obviously higher catch rates. It was 
also eight percentage points higher than the next highest number, which was Wes Welker a few seasons ago, which was at 77%. He caught 85%. He didn't just break the record. He absolutely shattered it. I didn't know where to project his, his catch rate this year. I put him at 74%, which is even lower. His career right now is 77%, which is equal to that, that Wes Welker rate of that second best season. Um, I, I, uh, he like he you project him at seventy seven percent his career rate and it's just crazy I, I think that's totally makes total sense like that's fair but it's just also just crazy like that's that would be equivalent to the second best all time hundred target catch rate season for a wide receiver I mean it, what do you even do with his efficiency it's just otherworldly he's amazing you thank Drew Brees is what you do yeah but, I mean it's they're both be both amazing you, yeah they're yeah. both amazing right? like there's been lots. Lots and lots and lots of receivers that have played with Drew Brees and not had a catch rate like that. Right. Yeah, sure. But, but they're, it's, they're both part of that. But, yeah, Michael Thomas is, is great. Um, all right. And then Jared Cook, Heath, what are you projecting for Jared Cook? Mediocrity. <laughs> I mean, he's a fine, low-end, number-one tight end that I don't want to trust. I've got him for 51 catches, 670 yards, and five touchdowns. I don't think... He sees an enormous number of targets just because of what we've talked about already with the lower pass volume and the high percentage of targets that go to Thomas and Alvin Kamara. He's a fine tight end to settle for, but not one I'm going to like target. The Saints, the la- their last three seasons, their leading tight ends were Kobe Fleener, 631 yards and three touchdowns. Then Fleener again, 295 yards and two touchdowns. And then Ben Watson, uh, 400 yards and two touchdowns. So it's been a while since Ben Watson, 2015, actually, was the last fantasy-relevant tight end for the Saints. He was top seven. He had 74 catches, 825 yards, and six touchdowns. How many pass attempts did Breeze have in 2015? A million. Anybody have that? I'm actually curious. Yes, 627. And how many do you project him for this year? 528. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Moving on to our final team. It's been a different offense the last two years. Hey, and they've no, been I'm good not. The last I agree. Years. I I agree. I agree. I'm not. I just think that he's, you know, he would have been top twelve last year if you take away all the crap you want to take away. He's going to do it again this year because he's Drew Brees. And if like, he plays sixteen games, he will be top twelve, and so will every other quarterback that I have ranked in my top sixteen. But he'll be on a per game basis. He'll be top twelve. Is what I'm saying. I do not agree. But. I'm telling you, like I'm telling you, that's he's two breeze. Of course, he will. Tampa Bay was five and eleven last year. They were fourth in pass attempts, twenty second in rush attempts. They led the NFL in passing last season. A lot of reason to be excited about Jameis Winston. Let's see what are our stats for. Oh, we don't have any Jameis stats. All right, so. I mean, we just need to talk about Ronald Jones. No, we don't need like, to talk about him yet. There's nothing else yeah. to talk about. We got to settle this. No, this this team is is really interesting. It's just it's just Ronald Jones. Just Ronald Jones. All right, fine. Ben, ben loves go Ronald ahead. Jones. Yeah, I I said yesterday there was no player that we maybe had a bigger difference on than um, Ezekiel Elliott, and it's the entire Buccaneers running back stable is the answer. Yeah, that is the answer. I Ronald Jones. <laughs> Youngest, so here's my stat. He only got 30 touches last year. This is why I think it's crazy that everyone knows he sucks because he only got 30 touches. Like that's he he barely played. He was the youngest running back in the 2018 draft. He was a you second round he, pick. You know why he barely played, Ben? Because <laughs> of a lingering hamstring injury. That's why. Because <laughs> yeah, he sucked. 
<laughs> but I I see your point, man. Like I know that Peyton Barber's nothing special. I know that. So I'd like to see what three point eight career do. yards per carry for a former UDFA. That's a, that's a profile of a guy that doesn't even necessarily belong in the league anymore. You know, I saw the 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 report the other day from Greg Allman that Barber would likely lead the the team in rushes and. Greg, he's with the Athletic now. He's formerly at the Tampa Bay Times. I actually had the chance to to interview him a couple of times for some podcasts back in the day. I have a ton of respect for him. He's very plugged in, one of the most well-respected beat reporters out there. So I'm definitely not going to just brush that aside. Uh, and it is concerning to hear that. Like it seems like the team still really likes Peyton Barber, but I just think Ronald Jones' talent is going to win out. I think it has to. Uh, I just don't read their lack of investment in running back this offseason as anything positive about Peyton Barber. It's really hard to read it as anything positive about Peyton Barber and what he's done. I think they have to believe that Ronald Jones still has the upside they thought they had when they took him in the second round last year. Um, I, I'm changing my stat to an equation. What is 3.8 divided by two? <laughs> that, is, that, yards per carry is that his yards per difference carry? difference between Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones, right? And also Ronald Jones' yard per carry last year. How about that? Uh, no, I, I have no confidence other in my mocking of Ronald Jones, other than how much fun it is. I do think the thing that kind of bothers me is that like, if I wish there were not like Ben's argument, wasn't becoming so much of the consensus again already. Yeah, I do too. You go into drafts <laughs> and you have to pay a lot more for Ronald Jones than you do for Peyton Barber. That's Ronald true. Jones in some drafts is a top 100 pick again already. And if there's any positive news about him the first week of training camp, he's going to be back in the sixth or seventh round. So let's talk about Bruce Arians and, and his effect on your projections. <laughs> <laughs> you know, obviously this guy was great for the Cardinals. What does he do for the Bucks? What are you thinking here, guys? Well, the Bucks the last two years, and we talked about this when we talked about the Browns, they led the NFL in air yards by a lot. They've been a very vertical downfield passing team. Jameis Winston has a really high average depth of target for a quarterback. So for the passing game, I you know, Bruce Arians loved to throw it down the field in Arizona as well, but I don't think he necessarily like improves the situation. It was already league leading. Uh, it might actually be something to watch in terms of he might be just a little bit less uh, a little bit less aggressive than Cutter and, and Todd Monken were the last couple of years, just because they were so much higher than than the rest of the league. But I don't, you know, I still think it, he's very good for the passing game. I think mostly the running game, and that's again goes back to why I'm so excited about Ronald Jones. Arians, the, Cutter's offense basically ignored the running back. There was very little running back value in this offense. I think there's some potential for Arians' offense. You know, it's I don't think Ronald Jones is going to be David Johnson, but he has some production in his history with running backs. Okay, uh, so Heath, what do you what are you looking at with this team? I also don't think Ronald Jones is going to be David Johnson. Uh, <laughs> Two hundred and thirty-four is my stat. That's the number of targets available from last year, and they didn't really add anybody that's going to take very many of them. That's why it's very easy to love and believe in an OJ Howard breakout and a Chris Godwin breakout. The defense is terrible maybe even worse than it was last year, they are going to have to throw the ball a ton. We could see Mike Evans be a top five wide receiver, Chris Godwin be a top 20 wide receiver, and O.J. Howard be a top four tight end, and it wouldn't be all that surprising. And yet you guys are not projecting 
nearly the same amount of passing yards for the Buccaneers as you did. So that's actually, I mean, I'm encouraged by that because it's not like you're saying, well, they're just going to pass for 5,100 yards again like they did last year. No, you have Jameis Winston between 46 and 4,700, depending on which uh, projection. Like, Ben, you actually have him projected as QB5. Uh, so even knocking down the passing yards from last year by four to 500, we still could see huge potential for Godwin and for uh, Howard in particular. But yeah, the very aggressive projection, uh, Ben, QB5 for Jameis Winston, 4,700 yards, 30 touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, again, it's the it's the vertical passing game that I was talking about. That's how Mike Evans plays. It's how Chris Godwin plays. And O.J. Howard has one of the higher average depth of targets for tight ends. A, a great O.J. Howard stat, 11.5 yards per target so far in his career. Gronk is the all-time tight end leader at 9.9. So he's, you know, O.J. Howard only has 80-something career targets. He's not, like, qualified for that. But um, he's awesome. He's He's way above Gronk's all-time yards per target rate. Also has a 12.6% TD rate so far. He's been very, very good over the first two years. I don't think you can just uh, expect him to maintain efficiency and, and sh- shoot up his opportunity and say, oh, look, he's going to be the new Rob, Rob Gronkowski. But uh, and, and his efficiency will certainly regress some. But I think as he gets more targets, he's going to be a superstar tight end. Like I, There's almost no uh, – between Ingram, Henry, and Howard – I'm most confident OJ Howard's going to be a superstar tight end three years from now. Uh, he's just been that good over the first two years. So he's a guy that I really want to get pieces of in drafts. Really like Chris Godwin too. And I and I think Mike Evans is a very, very good wide receiver one. So Winston for me, it's just the weapons. I mean, it's it's a great situation. Yeah. It's so nice to be not the you know, not the only person on the show to to call OJ Howard a superstar. Take that, Heath. You want in? Okay. You want in? Um I I think he's a top five tight end this year. I think he's very very good. He, I, so I think what I took exception with was you saying he was the most talented tight end in the NFL. I definitely don't think I. Well, I may have said that, but I yeah, probably that's exactly what you said. I probably backed off like one second later and said he's in Poss- the same group as the most talented. Possibly you might have, and that that would have been okay. But, but I did. I, I did. Like he could very well be a superstar tight end this year. He could very well be the most talented tight end in the NFL. I don't think you. I could don't think make, that's that crazy. He could I be. I don't think you could make the argument for him, especially like maybe he could become. But your argument last year was that he was, and I don't think you can make the argument that sure. he was more talented. Uh, based than on yards per catch, he is. Based on yards more per catch, than Travis Kelsey. Based, based on yards per catch, he he absolutely is. Yards per catch <laughs> is Ben's Twitter handle, by the way. Uh, yeah, I I think he's special. I'm I'm excited for him and. Um, he, we're both very. You guys are both very excited for Mike Evans. You've made the case more targets this year. Uh, you, Godwin's a tough one. He's so expensive. Yeah, yeah let's you, talk Godwin. You, let's finish the show with Godwin here. Are you are you target? I just want to know Heath's take on him. Are you finding yourself taking him a lot? I I keep missing him because he goes so high. Like I'm not getting enough of him, but I I do really like him. I get him occasionally, but it's rare. He does like he's crept into the end of the third round under draft that I've done. He's almost always gone in the fourth. And I think that's pretty close to where he belongs, but there are just other wide receivers that I have ranked in that same range, like Calvin Ridley. Or, or the Rams are, receivers, like that, are that available trio. Cheaper, yeah. yeah, I can't yeah. take Chris Godwin ahead of Brandon Cooks, and that happens sometimes. It does happen, yeah. It's wild. And I just want to mention one one of my favorite deep sleepers this year, really deep, but Justin Watson, if he earns their slot job, he could be really good. He's a, a solid player. And I, I was under the impression that when they went three wide, Godwin was going to play in the slot. 
But I agree completely. If Watson earns that job, it, it could be fun. Yeah, it sounds like that's going to be the case. Fellas, thank you very much. I'm going to talk to you guys in about an hour and a half. We're going to do uh, the West, the AFC West and the NFC West. For those of you listening right now, thanks for sticking around to the end. I hope you've been enjoying these projection pods. I think they've been super helpful. And we got one more coming up for you. Uh, if we don't hear, if you don't hear from us before Friday, have a great 4th of July. Our next episode is going to air on Thursday, on July 4th. For Heath Cummings and Ben Grinch, I'm Adam Azer. Na-na-na-na-na-na-na. Nah, 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 nah.